The time is still now. Volume 4, Episode 84. This is Employment Law Now, and I am still Mike Schmidt, your host. We've got breaking news today out of the EEOC. You know, I don't remember the last time in the three and a half years that I've been doing this podcast that I actually released two episodes in the very same day. But such is life in this fast-moving world of COVID-19 developments. Just this morning... I released an episode with my colleagues David Barron and Howard Schweitzer to talk about the political and the employment law implications of a COVID-19 vaccine and thoughts on a potential mandatory vaccine policy that employers around the country are thinking about. One of the issues that we said this morning that's still hanging out there is the guidance that we were anticipating receiving from the EEOC. Well, Just about two hours after I released that episode this morning, lo and behold, the EEOC has issued its COVID-19 vaccination-related guidance. As anticipated... The answer to the fundamental question by the EEOC is yes, employers can require that employees get COVID-19 vaccines subject to having to accommodate disability and religious objections. The guidance that they just issued goes through uh, some more in the way of details around that, but that's essentially the answer that we were anticipating, and it's the answer that the EEOC has now given. But I do want to go through a little bit of the guidance that they just issued. Understand that uh, all EEOC materials, if you are looking to find them, if you're looking to get other uh, guidance or other EEOC-related information, you can go to eeoc.gov backslash coronavirus. That is www.eeoc.gov backslash coronavirus. As we all know, the EEOC is the federal government agency that enforces many workplace anti-discrimination, anti-harassment, and anti-retaliation laws, including the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, the ADEA, and GINA, which is the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, and I'm going to get into GINA in a moment. Throughout this pandemic, beginning back in March of 2020, the EEOC has provided a slew of guidance materials specifically related to the pandemic and pandemic preparedness in the workplace and how these various laws, the ADA, Title VII, the ADEA, and others are impacted by what employers and employees are doing specifically unique to uh, pandemic circumstances. 
Most recently today, December 16th, 2020, the EEOC um, revised its technical assistance questions and answers to include nine new questions and nine new answers related specifically to vaccinations. And I wanted to go through them with you, even though they just came out. This is as hot off the press as it comes. So I want to go through these nine new questions and answers and what it means to employers and what it does not mean so far. So question number one, and these first couple of questions deal with specifically the ADA and vaccinations. Question number one, if you have a COVID-19 vaccine that has been approved or authorized by the FDA, the question is, is the administration of a COVID-19 vaccine to an employee considered a medical examination for purposes of the ADA? And remember, the ADA restricts um, making any kind of medical-related inquiries uh, or uh, engaging in any medical examinations without um, some significant restrictions. Now here, the EEOC is distinguishing between a voluntary vaccine as well as a vaccine that an employee uh, will get from a physician, their own healthcare provider, or some pharmacy. All of that on the one hand, Distinguishing that from, on the other hand, vaccines that are actually administered to an employee by the employer itself or by some third party with whom the employer is contracting to administer the vaccine. So for purposes of that question, is the administration of a COVID-19 vaccine to an employee by the second bucket, by an employer or by a contracting third party, is that constitute a medical examination for purposes of the ADA? And the EEOC has said no. The vaccination itself is not a medical examination. If a vaccine is administered to an employee by an employer for protecting against uh, contracting COVID-19, the employer is essentially not seeking information about that individual's impairments or current health status, and therefore it is not a medical examination. But here's the caveat. Even if administering a vaccine or requiring that a vaccine be um, administered is not itself a medical examination, if there are any pre-screening vaccination questions, those questions may implicate the ADA's provision on disability-related inquiries and medical examinations. Because those pre-screening vaccination questions are inquiries that are likely to elicit information about an employee's disability. So if the employer or a third party contracting with the employer is the one administering the vaccine, the employer must show that any pre-screening questions it asks of employees are in fact job-related and consistent with business necessity. Question number two, the CDC has um, expressed its advice that healthcare providers should ask certain questions before giving a vaccine to individuals in order to ensure that there is no medical reason that would prevent the person from receiving the vaccination. So for this question, if an employer requires an employee to receive a vaccination from that employer or again from a third party with whom the employer is contracting to administer the vaccine and asks screening questions 
are those questions subject to the ADA standards for disability-related inquiries? And the answer to that is yes. Again, the EEOC is distinguishing between, on the one hand, the vaccine and the giving of the vaccine itself not being a medical examination, not being subject to the ADA standards, but the pre-vaccination medical screening questions if they are likely to elicit information about a disability, then yes, they are going to be subject to the normal ADA standards for disability-related inquiries. What does that mean? That means if the employer is requiring the employee to receive the vaccination, and if that vaccination is administered by the employer or its agent, the employer has to show that the disability-related screening inquiries are, again, job-related and consistent with business necessity. According to the EEOC, that means that the employer needs to have a reasonable belief based on objective evidence that an employee who does not answer the questions, the pre-screening questions, and therefore does not receive a vaccination because they haven't done the pre-screening, that that employee will pose a direct threat to the health or safety of that employee or others. Let me say that again. In order to establish that the pre-screening inquiries being made of the employee before giving the vaccine to make sure that those inquiries are job-related and consistent with business necessity, the employer needs to have a reasonable belief based on objective evidence that an employee who does not answer those pre-screening questions and therefore does not receive the vaccination will nevertheless pose a direct threat to the health or safety of that employee or a direct threat to the health or safety of others. There are two circumstances, according to the EEOC, in which disability-related screening questions can be asked without having to first satisfy that standard of showing job-related and consistency with business necessity. What are the two circumstances? I just heard somebody ask. First, if an employer has offered a vaccine to employees on a voluntary basis, then the ADA requires that the employee's decision to answer pre-screening disability-related questions also be voluntary. If the employee then in that case chooses not to answer the pre-screening questions, the employer can decline to administer the vaccine, but obviously the employer cannot retaliate against uh, or otherwise take adverse action against the employee for refusing to answer questions. The second circumstance in which the disability-related screening question can be asked without having to satisfy the job-related and consistent with business necessity requirement, if an employee is receiving an employer-mandated vaccination from a third party who does not have a contract with the employer, such as, as I said a moment ago, a pharmacy, drugstore, or the employee's own healthcare provider, the job-related and consistent with business necessity limitations would not apply to any pre-vaccination medical screening questions being given. And of course, to the extent that employers are eliciting and keeping track of employee medical information in the course of the vaccination program, the ADA continues to require that that medical information be considered confidential. Question number three that just came out today of the new nine questions 
is asking for or requiring that an employee provide proof that he or she received a COVID-19 vaccination, is that in and of itself a disability-related inquiry that is prohibited? The answer is no. There are many reasons, according to the EEOC, that may explain why an employee has not been vaccinated, and those reasons may or may not be disability-related. But according to the EEOC, simply requesting that the employee provide proof that he or she received a vaccine is not in and of itself likely to elicit information about a disability, and therefore it is not considered a disability-related inquiry that carries with it either a prohibition or restrictions on the employer's ability to ask for that proof. However, again, like the the distinction between giving a vaccine and giving pre-vaccine screening questions, just because you are requesting proof of receipt of a COVID-19 vaccination, and just because that may not constitute a disability-related inquiry, if there are subsequent questions that you as the employer are asking following the request for proof, such as if you ask the individual, why did you not receive a vaccination? Those questions, those follow-up questions may be likely to elicit information about a disability and therefore they too would then be subject to that required ADA standard that they be job related and consistent with business necessity. So just to sum up again where we are with these first three questions, requiring a vaccine and administering a vaccine itself is not a medical examination that carries with it any restrictions. Asking an employee for proof of receipt of a COVID-19 vaccination is not considered a disability-related inquiry or a medical examination. However, in either of those cases, if you are, as the employer, asking pre-screening or pre-vaccination questions that are likely to elicit um, information about a disability or medical condition, or in the case of the proof being requested, if you ask follow-up questions that may elicit information about a disability, then in those cases, you have to comply with the ADA standard that any such questions be job-related and consistent with business necessity. Now, if an employer is requiring that the employee provide proof that they received a COVID-19 vaccination from either a pharmacy or their own healthcare provider, the EEOC suggests that the employer may want to warn the employee expressly not to provide any medical information as part of the proof that they are giving the employer in order to avoid implicating the ADA and some of these job-related and business necessity standards. Don't leave it up to the employee to try to figure out the scope of what should be given to the employer. In these cases, the employer solely wants to get proof, yes, no, that the employee was vaccinated and nothing about any underlying conditions or other medical-related information. Question number four, where can employers learn more about emergency youths authorizations of COVID-19 vaccines. Remember, as we talked about in this morning's episode, hope you listened, the FDA has so far 
only provided emergency use authorization for the COVID-19 vaccines. Some COVID-19 vaccines, as the EEOC points out, may only be available to the public for the foreseeable future under that uh, emergency use authorization granted by the FDA, which, as we've also talked about, is a much different and much more limited process than the approval process normally undertaken by the FDA in order to uh, approve the use and um, dissemination and licensure of vaccines generally. So recipients of the vaccine, and this would apply to employers or their agents if they are administering or even requiring the vaccines, to the extent practicable under the applicable circumstances, recipients of the vaccine should be told and notified that the FDA has authorized the emergency use of the vaccine, of the known and the potential benefits and risks of the vaccine, the extent to which such benefits and risks are unknown, and that they have the option to accept or refuse the vaccine and of any available alternatives to the product. Now, I just want to stop here because this is important on the question of can employers require employees to get the vaccine? Well, that will likely depend on what the stage is that we're in when it comes to FDA authorization. As I just mentioned, because we are under the emergency use authorization part of the FDA process, any recipient of the vaccine is required to be told that they have the option to accept or refuse the vaccine. That only applies during the emergency use authorization part of the process. When the FDA down the road goes through its normal process and approves this more generally, in those cases, uh, it is likely that the recipient will not have to be notified of all of these things. So there still is a question out there to some extent whether an employer can require that an employee be vaccinated when, because of this emergency use uh, authorization process, a recipient is required to be given the option to accept or refuse the vaccine, as well as of any available alternatives to the particular vaccine given. Question number five. If an employer requires vaccinations when they are actually available, how should it respond to an employee who indicates that he or she is unable to receive the vaccination because of a disability? And this goes to that first fundamental question. Is there an absolute right of employers to require, to mandate that employees get vaccinated? Now, putting aside the issue that I just raised, the question that I just raised about whether this can be done at all during this initial emergency use authorization part of the process. Let's assume that employers do get to the part of the process where they can, because we're no longer under emergency use authorizations, they can require vaccinations. It is subject to the obligation on the part of employers to accommodate requests for accommodation made by employees on disability and religious grounds. So question five deals with the first of those. What do you do if an employee objects to the vaccine because of a disability? The ADA, as we know, allows employers to have qualification standards that includes a requirement that that individual not pose a direct threat to the health or safety of individuals in the workplace. However, 
the employer in this case must show that an unvaccinated employee, an employee who is not agreeing to be vaccinated, would pose a direct threat due to a significant risk of substantial harm to the health or safety of the individual or others that cannot be eliminated or reduced by reasonable accommodation. That's the standard under the ADA. And in order to perform uh, or meet that obligation, employers need to conduct an individualized assessment in each case for each employee based on four factors to determine whether a direct threat exists. And as the EEOC has reminded us, the four factors are the duration of the risk, the nature and severity of the potential harm, the likelihood that the potential harm will occur, and the imminence of the potential harm. Any conclusion that there is a direct threat after looking at those four factors would include a determination that an unvaccinated individual will likely expose others to the virus at the workplace. So if an employer determines that an individual who cannot be vaccinated due to a disability objection, if the employer determines that that individual poses a direct threat at the work site, the employer cannot exclude the employee from the workplace or take any other adverse action against the employee unless there is no other way to provide a reasonable accommodation that would eliminate or reduce this risk so that the unvaccinated employee does not pose a direct threat. And the only way to get around that is if an employer proves undue hardship. So if there is a direct threat, the flip side, if there is a direct threat that cannot be reduced to an acceptable level by some reasonable accommodation, the employer can exclude the employee from physically coming to the workplace, but the EEOC cautions that that does not mean the employer can automatically terminate the worker. Let me say that again. Just because you may be able to exclude an employee from physically entering your workplace if you've decided there is a direct threat that cannot be reduced to an acceptable level by reasonable accommodation and that employee has refused to get vaccinated based on a disability ground, you can exclude the employee from physically entering the workplace, but it doesn't mean that you can automatically terminate the worker without going further in this analysis. So for example, if an employer excludes an employee based on an inability to accommodate a request to be exempt from a vaccination requirement for disability reasons, that employee may be entitled to certain accommodations, such as being able to perform the current position remotely. The big takeaway here is there is an analysis that has to be conducted in these cases. You need to first analyze the situation on an individualized basis as to whether the individual does have a covered disability that makes them eligible in the first place to raise this exemption. If so, we're going to then do the direct threat and undue hardship analysis before determining whether the individual first can be excluded or not from the physical workplace and if the employer can exclude the employee from physically going into the workplace whether there are other obligations under other laws or other reasonable accommodations that can be made short of outright terminating that individual. 
The EEOC has also gone out of its way in its new guidance to talk about the training and the communication aspect of this. In its new guidance today, the EEOC says, quote, managers and supervisors responsible for communicating with employees about compliance with the employer's vaccination requirement should know how to recognize an accommodation request from an employee with a disability and know to whom the request should be referred for consideration. Employers and employees should engage in a flexible, interactive process to identify workplace accommodation options that do not constitute an undue hardship, in parentheses, significant difficulty or expense, close parentheses, end quote. So what does that mean? Well, the EEOC is suggesting that managers and supervisors, the people who are on the front lines interacting with employees on a day-to-day basis, they should have some understanding of what these rules and requirements are. And at a minimum, they should know what the company's process is to refer accommodation requests for consideration and analysis of the kind that I just summarized. That means that companies should be thinking about engaging in training of their managers and supervisors. It also means that companies should be, to the extent they don't have already, a process through HR or through some other department or team of representatives fleshing out what the interactive process is going to entail, who is going to consider these requests for accommodation, and how the communication process with the employee making the request will proceed. The EEOC goes on and says, quote, managers and supervisors are reminded that it is unlawful to disclose that an employee is receiving a reasonable accommodation or retaliate against an employee for requesting an accommodation, end quote. Again, that goes to this premise that it's not enough just for the C-suite executives or HR professionals to know about all of these issues. The managers and supervisors who are on the front lines who are interacting with your employees on a day-to-day basis should be trained on the do's and don'ts. So we just talked about question five, what do we do with a disability-related objection to getting vaccinated? Question number six is similar, but it deals with what happens when an employee says that he or she cannot receive a COVID-19 vaccine because of a sincerely held religious practice or belief. Well, it's similar to the disability uh, uh, area in the sense that you have to go through an analysis, an interactive process, as the EEOC points out, once the employer is on notice that the employee has a sincerely held religious belief, practice, or some observant that is prompting the employee to object to receiving a vaccination, the employer is required under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act to reasonably accommodate that religious belief, practice, or observance unless you can prove as an employer that there is an undue hardship. And the EEOC has reminded us in this new guidance that we're not just talking about some de minimis cost or burden on the employer. That's not going to be enough to show an undue hardship. Also, like disability, the EEOC has typically suggested that employers probably are not wise to spend a lot of time debating whether an individual has a disability or 
whether the individual has the sincerely held religious belief that the employee is relying on. That is not to say that the employer is required to or should simply accept every claim of medical condition or every claim of religious belief. However, the EEOC has reminded us that because the definition of religion is broad and it may protect certain beliefs, practices, and observances that are not commonly known or thought of as religious in nature, the EEOC has suggested that employers should ordinarily assume, not always, but ordinarily assume that a request for a religious accommodation is based on a sincerely held religious belief. However, the flip side, as I just alluded to, the EEOC allows that the employee who requests a religious accommodation, if the employer has some objective basis for questioning either the fact that the request is religious in nature or whether the employee is sincerely holding that particular religious belief, practice, or observance, then the employer in those cases may be justified in requesting additional supporting information. The caution, however, again, is to make sure that there is really a legitimate reason to be requesting supporting information and documentation as opposed to simply um, going about it that way in every single case as a matter of form. Question number seven, what happens if an employer cannot exempt or provide a reasonable accommodation to an employee who objects to a mandatory vaccine policy either because of disability or a sincerely held religious practice or belief? The EEOC uh, is very succinct on this question. If the employee can't get vaccinated because of disability or religious beliefs, and if there is no reasonable accommodation possible, then the EEOC says that it would be lawful, it would be lawful for the employer to exclude that employee from the workplace. However, as I said a few moments ago, that does not mean the employer can automatically terminate the worker. So we get a lot of questions. Mike, if we are having this mandatory vaccine policy, if we're allowed to do that, and if they object to getting the vaccine, and if there is no reasonable accommodation that can be provided, if their objection is based on disability or religious grounds, can't we just terminate the worker? And the answer, according to the EEOC, seems to be that, no, you're skipping a step there. You can exclude the employee from the physical workplace, but before you go ahead and terminate that individual's employment, you need to determine if there are any other rights or any other uh, ways that the employee can remain part of the workforce without having to be in that physical workplace. The last two questions in the EEOC's new guidance today addresses GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. Remember, um, under Title II specifically of GINA, employers are not allowed to use genetic information of an employee um, or of the employee's family to make decisions related to the terms, conditions, and privileges of employment. Employers cannot acquire genetic information except in some very narrow circumstances under the law. And the employer cannot disclose genetic information 
except as well in certain very narrow circumstances. So question number eight asks whether those prohibitions under GINA are implicated when an employer administers a COVID-19 vaccine to employees or when employers require employees to provide proof that they have received a COVID-19 vaccine from somewhere else. The EEOC's answer is no. GINA is not implicated in either of those situations. According to the EEOC, administering a COVID-19 vaccine to employees or requiring that they provide proof that they got a vaccine doesn't implicate GINA because it does not involve the use of genetic information to make employment decisions or the acquisition or disclosure of genetic information as those terms are defined in the statute. But let's keep to the same distinctions that we made at the beginning of this episode. If the administration of the vaccine, if the giving of the vaccine is also accompanied by pre-screening questions that either ask about or are likely to elicit information about genetic information, then those pre-screening questions may themselves violate GINA. However, simply administering a COVID-19 vaccine or requiring an employee provide proof that they received the COVID-19 vaccine, that in and of itself does not violate GINA. The last question, question nine, does asking an employee the pre-vaccinating or pre-vaccination screening questions before administering the actual COVID-19 vaccine, does that implicate GINA? And as I just suggested, the answer to that, according to the EEOC, is yes. Pre-vaccination medical screening questions are likely to elicit information about disability and may elicit information about genetic information, such as, for example, questions regarding the employee's family member's immune system. If the pre-vaccination questions do not include any questions about genetic information, including family medical history, then asking those questions would not implicate GINA. However, according to the EEOC, if the pre-vaccination questions do include questions about genetic information, including about family medical history, employers who want to ensure that employees have been vaccinated may want to request proof of vaccination instead of actually administering the vaccine themselves. So there's a big takeaway here, and a lot of the guidance is making distinctions between employers or their agents administering the vaccines themselves versus employers requiring that employees get vaccinated by someone else, a third party, not affiliated with the employer, and simply providing proof. That latter bucket may be a lot easier for employers in the sense of it is going to be far less regulated and scrutinized than if the employer or its agent is administering the vaccine itself. So where are we after nine questions? Well, we're about four hours, a little over four hours since this has been issued. So there is certainly more analysis and more guidance to come on this. We still haven't answered all of the questions relating to mandatory vaccine policies. But the EEOC, 
in its guidance today answered the question of whether you could and under what circumstances could you mandate a COVID-19 vaccine policy when it has become readily and widely available to employees. But there are some other things that you as employers should be thinking about still, even beyond the EEOC guidance. If you are allowed to, do you want to? Particularly for all of your workers, there may be some roles in your organization that are not public or customer-facing. Maybe all of your workforce isn't public or customer-facing. Do you need, as part of your particular business and your particular unique workforce, do you need to have a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy? According to whatever study you read in the last few days, somewhere between 25 and 40 percent of American surveyed say they may not want to uh, get vaccinated. They may be reluctant to get vaccinated. And while, sure, it, it may be easy to dismiss those from the workplace if they don't have a disability-related or religious-related accommodation uh, um, request that needs to be accommodated, from a morale standpoint, from a business functioning standpoint, are you more likely to be hurt as an organization by requiring these vaccines when you have a large segment of your workforce that will object to them? On the other hand, will it be reassuring to those employees who are coming back to the workplace, knowing that those who are coming into the physical workplace will be vaccinated and perhaps be protected from contracting and maybe transmitting COVID-19? How will a mandatory COVID-19 vaccine policy affect recruiting, affect retention for your valuable employees? So you need to think about whether you want to have a mandatory vaccine policy in addition to this fundamental question of whether you can, even if you want to. If you do want to have one, next question to be thinking about is, how do you do it? Again, the vaccine is not readily available to everybody. It is currently under the emergency use authorization, and we're not even expecting it to be readily available to the general public until the second quarter of 2021, possibly closer to June. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. What kind of process will you be putting in place as an organization for handling objections to being vaccinated? Objections that you may receive both on an individual basis as well as from a group of employees. And then lastly, how are you going to go about the messaging? We talked a little bit about that this morning. Howard Schweitzer and David Barron provided their thoughts on the communication and the messaging aspect when it comes to the vaccines and mandatory vaccine policies. How are you going to communicate what your policy is? How are you going to address people who ask questions about it? Why does it have to be mandatory? Why does my role require vaccination? So these large questions, now that we have seen that the EEOC, as anticipated, is permitting mandatory vaccine policies, with some exceptions that we've talked about, now that we've seen that, there are still questions to be asked questions that you should be thinking about and talking about within your organization, and in some cases, as appropriate, talking with outside counsel about. 
Do we want to have a mandatory policy? If we do, how are we going to communicate it? What is our process going to be? How are we going to consider and address requests for accommodation? So, with the desire of getting this breaking news, this new EEOC guidance that was just issued today to you and to your ears, hopefully this has been informative and useful to you. In the coming days and certainly the coming weeks, both before and after the new year, we will continue to talk about this EEOC guidance and what the implications are for vaccine policies, both mandatory and permissive. Don't forget, we're also still waiting to get some additional guidance from other agencies like the CDC, like OSHA, when it comes to best practices and their thoughts as agencies on whether and to what extent mandatory vaccine policies are permitted. But at least for today, December 16th, 2020, we finally started to get some answers, at least from the EEOC. So thank you all for listening. And if you've listened to both episodes today, thank you so much for that. And please, please get back to work. Until the next time, I hope all of your labor is productive.